several people who were hired to be caregivers for or by individuals who wanted assistance. And she said, you would be good at it. Come in Monday and I'll hire you. <laughs> so I gave it a try and found out what it was about. I really didn't know what caregivers were. So, Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist and coach, also keynote and TEDx speaker and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. As listeners to the podcast know, my goal is to always bring you interesting guests who not only lead their own lives with enthusiasm, but also have different ways of helping us to become better versions of ourselves. And I think you'll agree that today's guest really fits that bill. Christine Smith is has a couple of unusual job titles, Geropreneur and Aging Enthusiast. So I think you can tell from the titles why uh, she had appealed to me as a guest for this podcast. Um, she has over the years, help numerous older adults, both in person and now through her podcast, website, and two books, Pre-Act Your Age and the Caregiver Kit. I think I got those right. If not, she'll re, uh, remind me of, of what the titles actually are. But I know we've got a lot to learn from Christine. So, uh, Christine, Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Such a pleasure to have you with us today. I'm so grateful. I get to be with you again because you've been kind enough to be on my live stream with a, a group of people. Yeah, it was really enjoyable. And Christine's live stream, and, and we'll, we'll get all the information on how to get at it. Uh, is really informative and unlike mine, she uh, she has the ability to manage three or four people at a time uh, as she does her, her live stream. Really, really informative. You get all kinds of links to important information and so on. But um, wondering, Christine, how did you get into this uh this line of work of being an aging advocate and uh, doing so much good for, for older adults. Oh, all the credit goes to my neighbor. She was the manager of several people who were hired to be caregivers for or by individuals who wanted assistance. And she said, you would be good at it. Come in Monday and I'll hire you. <laughs> so I gave it a try and found out what it was about. I really didn't know what caregivers were. So I learned and I learned and really it is um, a person you outsource to. If taking care of the things you used to take care of 
um, has become unsafe, um, wastes too much of your energy. It takes too much of your day. You want to get on to the stuff you want to do. You might hire someone like me. So uh, what are some of the things that a, a caregiver might do? I, I think back to so many different people. I, I would say that that's the person who notices if something is different. And you don't just walk in and go through a clipboard of, you know, trim the toenails or um, prepare the breakfast you become an extension of that person. So if there is something that is, I don't know, keeping you away from what you really want to do, maybe what you really want to do is um, go for a drive and take care of a few errands. But what's holding you back is that putting on your socks is hurting your back. And then the dominoes begin to fall. It's, it's taking too much time. Uh, you're not comfortable. Um, you, as a caregiver, you become an extension of that person's arms or eyes or ears or, uh, dealings on computers. Um, Everything from, you know, hygiene to, well, just your, what they call the activities of daily living. And then as I became more acquainted with people, I realized that they, they wanted to be able to maybe get back into a hobby or into a, um, a social interaction and into, um, something that they use to up their income and now they could get to it more, um, uh, I don't know, easily. I wouldn't say, I, I hesitate to say easily because it wasn't that my people weren't willing to do things for themselves. It's just that it wasn't expeditious. It, it, it didn't make sense. They were business people. They were, parents of multiple kids and they still were and they wanted to be able to continue and so I was there to take care of those sundry items get them going a little bit faster and make sure that safety and health were top top safety health and social mm, that's wonderful uh I'm wondering though is it uh how, how challenging is it to kind of reach this balance. In other words, we know mm -hmm. that it's better to be active than to be passive. Yes. Um, do, uh, how do you encourage people to maximize what they can do, even though I'm sure that part of the aging process for a lot of people is accepting that there are some things that they, they really do need help with? Wow. I have a really simple answer. I used phrases that basically said, would you help me? So here I am hired. Maybe I have a badge on. Uh, perhaps I'm dressed differently. A lot of caregivers wear scrubs. I just never did. Um, but would you help me with that? 
show me how you want that done. Um, could you take care of this part while I take care of that part of whatever the situation was, you know, maybe my best part was putting toothpaste on a toothbrush. Um, maybe my best part was to move those objects that were at an awkward angle until the person that I was assisting could actually see what it is that they wanted to see or, or be able to reach. So I really came from, even in situations where a person was uh, farther along the path of any kind of dementia, I found that if I turned it to, would you help me rather than, oh, you just sit there. I'll take care of this. You, you know what? You're paying me. I'll just do all of those things that, and I'll do them faster or um, in a way that I think makes sense. Wrong, wrong. It's like, would you help me to know what it is that I should do and how I should do it? And that kept minds active, hands active, um, uh, enthusiasm <laughs> for my person to know that I wasn't there to take over. I wasn't a caretaker. That's for property or museum. Hmm. I was to um, care enough to give them control. And I was encouraged to promote self-determination, which in a lot of situations I didn't have to promote because that person <laughs> was fully fully in charge. And it was a joy to come alongside and I don't know, play kind of a butler or something, you know, kind of the holding the towel on my arms, like, very good, sir. How do you want this done? <laughs> well, your enthusiasm for that role comes through. There are a couple of things that I heard in there that are just really quite profound. One, that caretaking, and I know a lot of us grew up hearing the, about the role of caretaker, uh, as opposed to, I think, caregiver is a, is a more recent one, but yeah. um, the caretaking is for property and so on. The caregiving adds that human element. The other I, I, that I think is, is tremendous, because so many people are kind of unpaid family caregivers, uh, right caregivers for members of their family. I mean, I think that's a wonderful bit of advice. Would you help me as opposed to, you know, doing things that the other person may be able to do some of and then doing more of that and then resenting it because they recognize that he or she probably could be doing some of this. But it, the, just the, the, the term, you know, would you help me? Uh, in and of itself is probably something that a lot of people uh, are going to learn for the first time listening to this podcast and will be very, very helpful to them. <laughs> now, now, you've gone beyond kind of specializing in caregiving, uh, just in terms of the way that you uh, relate to and, and promote among older adults. So maybe you can tell us a little more about what you've been doing, you know, since you first got into this? I had opportunity to be in over 90 different homes. Hmm. And 
each time, you know, I had to learn all the quirks of a home, like how to lock that door correctly, how to unlock it correctly. And just everything from, for me, as the person who was hired and coming in from the outside world, you know, where, which bathroom should I use? Um, how would you prefer that I appear? Do should I change into other shoes when I come into your home, etc.? And you'd think, wow, that's that's a lot of adjusting. I wasn't in ninety different homes all at the same time. That was over the span of about eight years in the last decade. But I realized there were a lot of commonalities. And the commonalities included those family caregivers that you mentioned. Um, it may have been a spouse, a partner. It may have been a sibling who was the same age or above or below. It could have been a neighbor or a longtime friend. Oftentimes it was kids my age, I was in my 50s, and here were kids in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And the commonalities were amazing. The concerns and what I call the cleverness. I learned that from one of my people who was in their 90s, that they talked about the clever ways that they handle um, the things that were harder now. And I thought, well, Someday I won't have this job. I'll retire or change to something else. And this information shouldn't just poof, go away. Someone else needs to know about this and know that there are answers to all these questions that were confided in me. Like, is there a way that I can help my loved one to be safer in the bathroom? It isn't something that you're trained with. People don't look at you and go, oh, you've turned 40. Now you need to know where to go, what words to put into Google, um, what to buy, um, that there are support groups. There's just so many different things that become um, a better way to live, to give care, to receive assistance. There's just so much. And I didn't know hardly any of them. I took on this job because my neighbor said I'd be good at it. So I started diligently searching for resources, products, uh, groups, organizations, books, anything. You know, is there a film about this? Is there a YouTube? And um, boy, did I start finding a lot of people like you, Ron. <laughs> I was thrilled and I wanted it all to be in one place so that people could find it. And then I found out there were other people who wanted all these resources to be in a hub. And I thought, the only way that I can get all this information out there is if I invite groups of people onto the screen and just have them all talk to each other so that I can go, fascinating, tell me more. <laughs> And how do we get that thing you've been talking about? And so that led to the live stream. And yes. uh, having been on it, I know how exciting and helpful it can be. But why don't you 
tell us what actually takes place when somebody turns into tunes into your live stream, which I believe is on Wednesdays. Yes, it's always Wednesdays, noon Eastern, which is 9 a.m. Pacific. That's where I'm living. You're in the East. I figure if I get both of those in there, people will be able to keep it in mind long enough that they can tune in. And it's great. They can chat. They can type in responses in the chat column. And the people on the screen with me at that moment actually see it. Um, what they end up seeing is a woman who said, my auntie refuses to wear an alert button because it looks like a piece of hospital equipment hanging from her. And she said to me, niece, you have created gorgeous jewelry. This is your job. You're a big time person here on the East Coast. Why can't you make a beautiful alert button for me? Ding. And she did. And, but it wasn't like everything else she did. This was something that needed to be able to communicate and it needed to be housed well and it needed to uh, not break. And um, so she worked and worked for years. And so many people haven't heard of that or a different kind of cane or a different kind of shower chair that does three other functions. They haven't heard that there's an organization where you can just go, nobody's advertising, you can sign in to one of the groups and come in and say, I just realized I'm a caregiver and I'm, I can't even talk about it. And a group of people will be on the screen and just go, we've been there. Some of us aren't even caregivers anymore, and we still show up for each other. And that person breathes a sigh of relief, let alone, I just found out I have a form of dementia like Alzheimer's, and that there is a collection of 300 authors who have written almost every kind of book or other media called Alls Authors that answer questions. It's amazing how much is available and has been for a number of years. And no one's heard of it because as I said, no one says, oh, you've turned 40. You need to have a list of resources in case you hit aging challenges or someone you care about does. And so I found out there's a lot of people like you and I who are getting information out there. So that's when I became an aging enthusiast. I thought, what if even people in their 40s said, oh, I've heard about that. It, you know, it came across my LinkedIn feed and, and I know that there's something for that, or I have better questions to ask now that I've been told that in my own future, I'm going to face challenges because I plan to live into my longevity, stay healthy, but I'm going to have diminished abilities. So are there some general principles that have emerged if, say, somebody is listening in and they're 40, 50, 60, they may still 
uh, be working, very active. Uh, and I mean, I'm always a big believer in prevention. Are there some things that you can tell us from just a lifestyle management standpoint to just enhance the, the longevity process? So we, we can't, I mean, genetics plays a role. We can't always predict things, but what are some of the things that we can do if uh, we're trying to manage our lifestyle as, as best as possible without at least currently needing a caregiver? I did try to address that um, you know that I have two different books and the one is a prompted journal. So I talked with a gal who was the primary caregiver for both of her parents from a distance. And she said, you need to make that into a journal. So in my journal, I have these 52 general things that a person could deal with as they, as they live. But I, I came from the standpoint of emotional and relational because I feel that, um, no, I should say I have it on great authority from many people that one of the worst things you can do is to fear your own aging, to feel like it is something to be avoided. I don't want to talk about um, social security, AARP. I don't want to hear about it until I, everything else, all other avenues have been exhausted and I'm in bad shape. Then you can start talking to me about that. So I feel like the first thing is to just know about the sort of things that will challenge most people somewhere along the way as they continue to stay healthy and the prompted journal part is, so who am I going to talk to about this rather than keeping it at arm's distance, et cetera. So the things that you can do, like literal um, what to do with your brain, not because you think you have dementia, but because you think you have this great brain and you want to make sure you don't lose it and that you actually increase your synapses. Like think of yourself as a person who's about to become um, an ambassador to another country or that you're going um, into space on uh, a mission. I mean, think of something where you want to be super prepared. Well, it's your own future. You want to be super prepared. You want to be sharp, et cetera. Then you would probably tune into one of my episodes on agingbetternetwork.com and you'll see the live streams there under a purple button, or you can just do agingbetternetwork.com slash live and you'll meet people like uh, Roger Anjanson and... Dan Cohen and Joe Hosh. And here's all these men talking on that particular episode about what we're doing so that a person who I'll say doesn't have any diagnoses, 
who's sitting next to maybe someone that they care for or give care to who does have a diagnosis and they're both fully engaged in activities that make the brain and the body uh, work together to build new neuron pathways. And they're both having a great time together and they are both being successful in keeping their brain going. Uh, that's just one example. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. And we will have uh, the links to that in, in the show notes, the links to your live stream. Tell us a little bit about um, the, your two books specifically and uh, where people can get them. Great. Agingbetternetwork.com. <laughs> And I'll just say that aging and network, when I, when I make my little logo, they're smaller and better is the big red one. So it's like, wow, it isn't that I have to become one of these experts at aging or that I have to buy all the products, but isn't that my goal to actually continue to live better than I would if I didn't prepare at all. So agingbetternetwork.com. The first thing you're going to find at the website is pre-act your age. It used to be act your age, not your shoe size. I have also heard it as act your age, not your IQ. But I put in the word pre because people talk about pre-planning things that are really important to them. Maybe a vacation, maybe a funeral, maybe pre-planning for an interview. N not just this kind with you, Ron, but because they would like to re-enter the workforce at age 55 or 65 or 75 or on. And so you would repair or um, have some things ready ahead of time so that you're feeling confident and you don't um, you don't freeze up when you're faced by something. So the first two things you're going to find are pre-actor age. It's a prompted journal. It gives you the answers. You can just circle them, or you can write your own, which, I figure everybody's going to get their wheels turning and go, that is the way I would like to handle that situation so that I keep my relationships resilient and keep my emotional intelligence even after I react because I'm always saying pre-act before you react. So it's not a bad idea to get it in your 40s or any in any decade that you are that you are living the other book is the tough one for everyone including that amazon goes oh i don't have a book called that and yes they do so you'll want to get the links there on my website and the second one is a practical guide and it is called care griever kit and I 
wrote it because I thought about people that I had been around. They had invited me into their lives at age a hundred and something on down. And we would talk about loss and grieving and bereavement and their own end of life thoughts. And that was regular conversation. I got really comfortable with it. It's not really comfortable for a lot of people to deal with finding out that someone has a terminal diagnosis. Um, being told, could you please talk to us, mom, about what you would want in this situation at end of life? So here's a book that helps you to grieve losses because they can come on the anniversary of something happy, on the anniversary of uh, a difficulty. Um, they can come when you look in the newspaper and you turn to the obituary and you go, oh my goodness. And you read about someone that you know. Um, so um, that's what I learned my people opened themselves to me. And I just am so grateful for every single one of them. And also I called it Care Griever Kit for two reasons. It's an actual container that you fill with items that will help you to grieve well. And I called it Care Griever because I had to grieve privately for the people that I assisted because I'm so HIPAA, I'm so privacy act that no one except the people who hired me, including agencies, know where I went and how I served. So my grieving had to be private. Sometimes I would drive down their street again and just think about that tree we used to stand under and catch our breath before we used the walker again to get back home. And I wanted caregivers. That's people who have been with someone to the end of their life. That are, Those are people who are in a hospital or in a care community or are hired to go into private residences who need a container with some items in it to uh, give themselves that sweet sorrow times um, or even to remind themselves it's okay to grieve uh, the person that you served for only a short time because you loved and you had interactions and they had meaning and you treasured them. So um, expect to grieve. Um, so those are my two books and the links are right there at agingbetternetwork.com. That was a really long answer. Sorry, Ron. That's fine. It was uh, the thing that I like about both of these is that it emphasizes doing things proactively, preventively. It's not easy, but it's, it's natural to respond to a crisis. But if you can prepare yourself for it, uh, that makes a whole lot of difference. Uh, as you know, Christine, I've had to go through this process myself recently with 
my wife's terminal illness and death. And, uh, you know, just some of the knowledge I got from you and others has been very helpful. Um, you know, I, I, you still have to go through your own personal way of, of coping, uh, but having guidelines, having guidance, uh, having, you know, somebody, even if they're from a distance, being an author uh, as, as a form of support uh, really helps to master the, the process. Uh, not that you ever totally master it, but, but to feel confident in coping with it. And so, you know, I, I know on behalf of uh, everybody who grieves, uh, really, really uh, pleased that you brought mm -hmm. this type of a unique product to market. Um, I think you, you've really enlightened us a whole lot about a subject that we're aware of, but a lot of times people don't think about in terms of the, the actual aging process, the, the process of uh, dealing with aspects of it, caregiving, grieving, yeah. uh, and preventing our own decline as much as possible because, you know, it's, uh, as I, I know you've discovered, the older age range is can be very positive ones uh, if if you are active. Absolutely. And it, you are one of those people. I mean, I see your post and I, I've seen a lot of the stuff from you and other people who have been kind enough to come in, but on my show, but um, even people that I don't really have any other interactions with um, have been inspirations to me now in this decade when I'm in my 60s and I think that's why I call myself an aging enthusiast because I'm enthusiastic, really uh, um, kind of strangely enthusiastic about gathering information and being informed. There's a wonderful human being named Barbara Carnes, hospice nurse, has written really short books. And she said that knowledge reduces fear. And I'm going, well, that's true about everything. If someone said, hey, you're going to have to move to this place and learn a language and take on a job. But you know what? You're in your 20s. You're resilient. You'll be fine. There's going to be a fear factor uh, of one sort or another, of the leaving or the arriving, or will this be successful? Can I learn another language? And in aging, you have to learn another language. And you're being taken into a land that could be fantastic. But if you're fearfully trembling in a hotel room going, I'm not going out there. I don't know enough. I'm not prepared. Then you're going to miss out on fantastic things. I will just tell you that all authors asked me if I was going to submit my book for them to review. And I thought, well, there's nothing in there about Alzheimer's or dementia. And I thought about, you know, this grieving the loss of the kind of interaction you can have with someone as their brain is changed by disease. Well, I 
did add something in the book before it went to print. I handed that book to a person that I met who has done gerontology amazing things here in the state of Oregon. And that person sent me a letter and said, two of the people that I, um, uh, I'm trying to come up with a really great word. It's when somebody comes and goes, uh, we got a dementia diagnosis. Uh, what do we do? And it's we, because there's a family member and the person with the change in brain. And she has given the, the book for them to thumb through in person. And two different families said, I feel like I have permission, or I feel like I have a starting point to customize my own spot where I keep some things to remind myself, yes, I'm sad that this memory isn't shared by us in the same way it used to be. And this is how I'm going to handle that because we're going to be together for a long time as you go through your dementia journey. And I will have my place where I can uh, grieve and rise up or recognize uh, what is it that I am so upset about this week? Oh, because we used to, and now we can't, or now it's different, or I need to adjust. Um, just, I was thrilled that, that the letter was written after two of their clients said, this really is going to make a difference. So I'm really grateful, Ron, that you are willing to record us today and to say, let's make sure that your links get into more homes in front of more individuals who are going, ah, maybe that's, maybe that's going to be my next positive proactive step in my own life. Thank you. Well, at every, at every stage of life, we can either meet challenges with fear and passivity, or we can be proactive and older adulthood is is a stage of life. It's uh, uh, one in which we can grow, we can do a lot of great things, maybe not in the same way as at other stages, but uh, everybody's an individual and they, if they're armed with information, uh, they can make some real positive choices for themselves. And, you know, you're a great source of information. So I'm hoping and looking forward to a lot of people uh, following the links, uh, continuing to be educated by you. All this information will be in the show notes. And I want to thank you for being with us on Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It's been absolutely enlightening. And it's always great to be talking with you, Christine. And Thank you kindly. And we're both geropreneurs. We're both seniors who are making benefits, creating benefits for seniors. And we're, we're both past 55. And so what we're doing is actually making a difference in our own generation and even for ourselves. Thank you, Ron. It's been sure. wonderful. Sure. The, uh, 
one of the things about our generation, because we're tending to live longer, is we don't have that many role models or that much information from previous generations. So a lot of the stuff that you're doing is creating information and your terrific role model for for so many people. And uh, look forward to to you know talking with you again in the near future. And so that brings to a close another episode of the Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser podcast. I hope that you've all gained from it and that you will download it, listen to it again, tell your friends about it, rate it, review it, and then be back next week for another interesting guest. Again, Christine's efforts will be hard to top. Her information will be hard to top, but I, I promise you we'll have somebody good next time. In the meantime, uh, I, depending where where in the country you are and how you're doing with this weather, stay warm, stay positive, and stay safe. And it's Dr. Ron Kaiser signing off. We'll see you next time. <music>